Memorial Day weekend. I am your host, Patrick Schieffer. This is my co-host. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I am the Blue Zone, also known as Dominic James. Go check out my TikTok at the Blue Zone, and also go check out your host, No Huddle NFL, on TikTok or Instagram. Still haven't really posted anything on the Instagram. I've really just been posting samples of this podcast. And like I said, it's Memorial Day weekend. No better way to celebrate the American culture than, of course, NFL football. Talking about it, playing it, whatever. And one of the big teams in the NFL, may not be the biggest, it's no Dallas Cowboys or anything, But the Miami Dolphins, they've been around for a while, and they've recently drafted a brand new quarterback. Some people are already jumping the gun and calling him a bust. Tua Tungavaloa. Do you think he can bounce back in this upcoming season? I think that there is definitely a good chance of Tua bouncing back. I wouldn't even call it bouncing back because he didn't have all the pieces he did on his rookie season. Keep in mind, he was a rookie. And the thing is, I, I think it all depends on the offensive line, and I think that comes down to it every single in every single team. If the offensive line plays good, the Dolphins are a playoff team, and Tua pl- will play per, play like an average, if not above average, quarterback. If the offensive line's bad, I still think they're like a wild card team or shy of the wild card, maybe. But and Tua plays average or below average. It, it, I think it all depends on the offensive line. And if the offensive line, again, is good, again, then Tua can be in that top 15 cat, uh, range. But for me right now, I wouldn't, go, I wouldn't go there. And keep in mind, can Will Fuller be the number one guy down in Miami? Will Fuller is uh, – I, I love him as a player. And I, although with the suspension he had last season, can he come back, play how he did? Because the the game before he got suspended, he went out of his mind. He was he was going crazy, and I had to play against him and Deshaun Watson in fantasy that week. It and sucked. I had him in fantasy that week. That's why he he went crazy. He um he, like, even before that, he averaged like a touchdown each week. He he was playing crazy, but now he's got suspended. Didn't get to play the other half of the season. He got a downgraded quarterback. There's a lot of things to prove that Will Fuller won't be as good as he was last year, although it also depends on how Tua plays. And another question is, is that defense ready to take the next step? In my opinion, the Dolphins' defense is a little overhyped, and I don't think it's as good as people are saying it is. Don't get me wrong, I still think it's a top-10 defense. I just don't think it's as good as some people are calling it. Yeah, and a big reason that people are calling it so great is because of Xavier Howard being believed to be some stud of a corner. Mm -hmm. Personal, like, if you you know football, if you've been watching football for years and years and years, and you just know the basics of football, you would understand interceptions. I don't really want to say that they're lucky, but a lot of the players that get a lot of interceptions – most of the time, that's just good luck. Yeah. Most of the time, that's just a quarterback throwing it up to you, and then you pick it off. Most of the time, it's just a bad throw. And mm-hmm. there are there are a couple of exceptions. 
But a lot of the time that a corner leads the league in interceptions, it's luck. And if you look at his coverage stats, he allowed, I believe, 700 yards. Like, he would, he, I don't think he's as good of a corner as people think he is. Mm-hmm. But the reason that that defense is so good is not just because of Xavier Howard, it's because of one of the best coaches in the league, and especially one of the best defensive minds in the league, coming from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, Brian Flores. He does a great job with that defense. But anyway, in terms of Tua, and do I think he could bounce back or not? I think you really have to look at what's been going down with their offensive scheme. In 2020, their offensive coordinator was Chan Gailey, someone that was clearly hired because of his familiarity with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He coached with him. He coached Fitzpatrick in Buffalo and with the Jets. So the two are familiar with each other, and he builds a good scheme around him. Fitzpatrick is a quarterback that likes to throw it up. And the Dolphins' offense was revolved around isolating receivers and these big receivers like Preston Williams and Devonta Parker were supposed to take advantage of their one-on-one matchups. And that's why they did so well with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But when Tua came in, not so much because Tua doesn't throw the ball up like Ryan Fitzpatrick. That scheme wasn't made for him. Yeah. It's that simple. It, it was like the, I would say it's possibly the worst scheme for him. And now they have brand new receivers. They brought in Jalen Waddle, a receiver more who he has chemistry with Tua. And he's built for how Tua plays. He could get separation and Tua could throw those short routes to him. With his speed, he's not supposed to get 50-50 balls. And they still do have Devonta Parker, so if one day Tua is just like, I know I don't normally throw it up, but you know what, today I feel a little bit risky, and then he throws it up, Devonta Parker's made for that. And like you said with Will Fuller, I think as long as he's healthy, he could be that number one guy. But the question with him for his entire career has been, can he stay healthy? Mm -hmm. But overall, I think Eric Studsville and George Godsey, I'm hoping I pronounced those names right, those are the new offensive coordinators. It's I don't remember the last time I've seen a team have two offensive coordinators, but this year the Dolphins are going to try something new. And it does seem like it could mess up if these two offensive coordinators cannot come to agreements on play calls. That could be a recipe for disaster. But hopefully that doesn't happen. And if these two can be good together if not if neither of them tries to have too much control over the other and the play calling I think this could work although it is a very hard thing to pull off having two offensive coordinators but they are trying to build an offense that Tua can work with Tua wasn't built for their offense last year that offense just wasn't what he's used to I think these two guys are going to bring in a new scheme, and this scheme is going to work a lot better for Tua because Tua plays conservative football, and he, he's a pocket passer that wants to just take the two, three, four-yard plays. He doesn't want to throw the ball up. That's not how he plays. So it was honestly just idiotic for them to have Chan Gailey last year and expect Tua to do well. Yeah.
and like you said, he's a rookie. It's going to be hard for him to play well, especially keep in mind, it was a shorter offseason because of COVID. I, I'm hoping they're going to have a full training camp this year, and that's going to give Tua a lot more time to understand the plays and everything. Because he said in a press conference, or I don't know if it was a press conference, but he reportedly said he didn't understand the playbook too well. And that's because that 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 scheme, that playbook, wasn't made for him. But anyway, speaking of breakout players, th- every year there's multiple players that just come out of nowhere, especially second-year players that come out of nowhere and have great seasons. I told you to make a list of seven players you expect to break out next year. And I want to go through them. And, of course, I think we're all going to have different people because so many people could break out potentially next year. Oh, yeah. So who is your number seven? Uh, my number seven, we were talking about him. I, it might have been last week. Out of oh, not including quarterbacks, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It might have been last week. It might have been two weeks ago. We were talking about DJ Moore. And I, I love DJ Moore. I, I, I think he's going to be a fantastic – he already is a fantastic receiver in my book. But once he gets put – once he gets used correctly, he has potential to be a top 10 receiver. And I think this is his year. That's, that's all there is to it. I, I, I can completely understand that. I, I just want to make it clear. In the last episode of my podcast, it kind of sounded like I was talking smack on DJ Moore. I think he's a pretty solid receiver right now. And, of course, he does have top 10 wide receiver upside. And I think mm-hmm. it's very possible that he break, breaks out and has a very good season, especially with Sam Darnold throwing him the ball now that could definitely be the key to success for him. Because last year, I think it was very, very clear, Teddy Bridgewater was not the type of quarterback that DJ Moore wants. DJ Moore's play style doesn't fit how Teddy Bridgewater plays football. So I completely understand that. My number seven, I went with a player on the defensive side of the ball, Ed Oliver, drafted in the mid-first round by the Buffalo Bills two years ago. He's coming into his third year. Really hasn't been anything too special. And I think this year, he's going to be a stud. I really do. I don't expect him to step step up as a pass rusher, but I do think he's going to be one of the best interior run stuffers in the league next year because he, he has the size. And if the Bills want to have a run for the Super Bowl because that's the type, that's where they are right now, their next step, they made it to the AFC last year, AFC Championship last year, their next step is winning the Super Bowl, making it to the Super Bowl. If they want to do that, they need to have someone other than Tredavious White that can make plays on defense. And I think Ed Oliver is going to stack up on those tackles for loss next year. I really do. I just have a feeling. Who's your number six? Uh, my number six is some people are considering him top 10 this season. I would say just outside the top 10, but I am going to go Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward is such, such I love the way he plays and he's such a fast cornerback. The, the way like he can, he can do so many things that people don't know he can do yet. And I think there, he, he could be borderline top five next season if he gets used correctly. 
And of course, that defense around him is so much better. They oh, got, yeah. they got, they got uh, Troy John Hill, Johnson. John Johnson, uh, JOK, Jadavian uh, Clowney, Jadavian Clowney. That's who I was thinking of. Jadavian Clowney. That defense is so much better. Yeah. And now that he has a defense around him, I I think it wouldn't surprise me much if he does have a great season next year. And that's another team, like the Bills. They made a very deep run in the playoffs last year. Their next step is AFC Championship or even Super Bowl. If they want to do that, they need players to break out like Denzel Ward. I completely understand that. So, my number six. And I have a lot of second-year players on my list. The first one being Jerry Judy. Last year, he was one of the top route runners in the league. And his main issue that made him so disappointing, he didn't, he didn't catch anything. His hands were bricks. But that's in the NFL, that's a problem that gets fixed quick. And I think if you fix his hands, all of a sudden you have a top 20, top 15 receiver in the league. Because his route running is so good, especially for a rookie. And that's only going to get better. And I think if Drew Locke steps up, now he's going to be the second receiver because Cortland Sutton's coming back. That's really helpful. And I think that this offense, if Jerry Judy could step up and take that next step along with Drew Locke, Jerry Judy can definitely be one of the top receivers in the league. And I already think he's one of the best route runners in the league, even as a rookie. Who do you have at number five? At number five, I got four things to say. I got Kyle Rudolph's gone. That the uh, the defense all shots are back and injuries are back. And they're favored for the NFC North. Irv Smith. I, Irv Smith Jr. I, th- I cannot believe that He's been like he hasn't. He no one's set had him breaking out in the past because every year it just gets better and better for him. It seems, and this year just seems like it's it got ten times better. It it took that next step, and I think this is the this is his year. Without no, I I completely agree with that. I have him. I have him later in my list. You mm-hmm. you talk you talked about him a little bit, uh, a couple of times in the history of this podcast. I don't remember specifically what episode, but you talked about him a lot and you really did convince me in those other discussions we had about him. Irv Smith, I do expect him to break out. I have him later in this, but my number five, we're both Steelers fans. We both, or a lot of Steelers fans and just people around the league are saying that our defense without Bud Dupree is going to be a lot worse. But I think that's not going to happen with this guy. He was a rookie last year. He did pretty good, especially for a rookie. And now I'm thinking next year he's going to take another big step up. I have Alex Highsmith. Yep. He was a, he was like a third or fourth round pick. Very talented. All the talent in the world. When he came in for Bud Dupree, he looked like he's a veteran. He's. It's very clear that he can play in this league at a high level. And I think with Cameron Hayward... Stefan Tuitt and TJ Watt. That's a great defensive yeah. line. And they're not going to be double teaming Alex Highsmith. No way. So 
he's always going to have one-on-one matchups. Sometimes he might even go unblocked if they disguise the blitz well enough. I think this kid's going to have a great season next year. Who's your number four? Well, so the Patriots. If you go back before this season, what how what would you rank there? Would you rank their offensive line top ten? Absolutely. Now we're going into the 2021-2022 season, and the second best offensive lineman from the draft who is going to break out next year, Michael Unwendu. This this man's a freak. I, I the, the fact that the the Patriots won seven games with Cam Newton performing so badly, I think it's literally all Unwendu. That's all it is. This this guy he's done. So much to help this team. And with all the players coming back next season for the Patriots, that offensive line is going to be one of the best in the league. Without a doubt. And he was a late-round pick, too. No one was expecting oh, yeah, him to be even remotely this round good. six pick. Yeah. But with me, I, I don't have any offensive linemen on my pick on my list just because it's hard to tell when they break out or if they yeah. break out, you know? So, I I – I just didn't have any. If I had to put one, I would probably put, like, Becton, uh, maybe Jedrick Wills. Like, I would put one of those guys. I definitely understand if you do pick one, probably a second-round, a second-year offensive lineman. But Owenu was a great pick. I agree with that. And he was already so good last year, it's hard to imagine that he's going to get even better. Yeah. My number four, I'm not sure if you thought of him, but we talked about it for a while now. Losing Corey Lindsley with the Packers is going to hurt Aaron Jones, but we never really talked about how much it's going to benefit Austin Eckler. And then they also got Rasan Slater. They also got Matt Filer from the Steelers. Their offensive line went from one of the worst in the league to one of the best. And Austin Eckler is going to benefit so much from this. The real question is going to be, can he stay healthy? He's never been in a 1,000-yard rusher in his entire career. But I think now that he has Slater and Lindsay, Lindsley, he's going to be a stud. And then keep in mind, the highlight of his game and his biggest strength has always been his receiving ability. Justin Herbert threw him a, the ball a decent amount, considering he only played 10 games. If he could stay healthy, I could definitely see him being one of the top running backs in the league and most productive. Who do you have at your number three? You're killing me, man. I have Austin Eckler. You're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was so excited to give my my presentation on Austin Eckler. I was like, oh, it, it, yeah. It, I, I there is nothing more much more to say about him. He he is a fantastic running back already. Even. Before the offseason, I thought he was going to be a fantastic running back. But now with this offensive line, it Justin Herbert entering year two, the, you can't ask for much more. The, he's He's got one of the best situations in the league as a running back. Yeah, and uh, I stole your number three. You stole mine, too. I have Irv Smith as my number <laughs> three. So I guess it's only fair. How about yeah. your number two? Uh, my number two is... He was sitting behind Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, so he didn't get much of an opportunity. Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel. Washington football team. 
he's he's now the second string behind Terry, but he's still he he's he's got a better quarterback situation than last year, but that's not saying much. But it he's still in a better situation than he was last year, and I think he he'll break out. Uh, I I didn't even think about Curtis Samuel, great receiver. He really is, and he also has the versatility to play running back too. He could play all over the field. That's what makes him so great and so valuable. So I completely understand that. And like you said, the quarterback situation, that's a huge upgrade. I have Legereus Sneed as my number two. Yet another second-year player. I This Chiefs defense, it may not be anything special yet, but they have some players that like could definitely, definitely – Scare an offense, right? Chris Jones, Frank Clark, uh, Tyron Matthew. Legereus Neat, he was a very good player, especially for a rookie last year. And I think he's only going to get better. Last year, he only allowed 193 yards and had a allowed a 51.3 completion rate. For a rookie, that is very, very good. And I think he's only going to get better. How about your number one? So the thing about my number one is we played the t- the Steelers played the Titans last year. I wasn't too scared about Derrick Henry. We played the Browns twice last year. I wasn't too scared about Nick Chubb. My number one is Joe Mixon. And that very man, I was scared of both times severely. Because although – Again, I, I guess I shouldn't say that because the second time, obviously, he was injured. But, like, Joe Mixon. We still we still lost that game, though. Yeah. I, well, I don't want he to didn't even need that. to be on the field. We still lost that game. Yeah. Didn't even have Joe Burrow. That was the, that might have been the most embarrassing game I've ever seen as a Steelers fan. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Joe Mixon, he, he – Keep in mind, people are considering top 10 as me count, count me in as well. Uh, and wh- where would you rank that offensive line? Up there for worst in the league. Exactly. He is considered a top 10 running back with one of, if not the worst offensive lines in the league. I but know the- he had, it, the same thing happened last season, but keep in mind, it's a new season. If he stays healthy, which, pray to God, he does. He's a top five slash seven running back, and you can't tell me otherwise. But the thing with that is you're saying break out, but he still doesn't have a great offensive line. He still has a pretty bad one, but in all honesty. He, but he, so. was, he was the top ten running back last year, bad offensive line. He, if he learns how this offensive line and learns how to like get through the offensive line, be, because of how terrible it is, he he can figure out the offensive, make it his own offensive line. Uh, I'm not really sure how much I agree with that because it's. I think we all know it's very very difficult to be a good running back without an offensive line. And I think he's already doing the best he possibly could with that offensive line. Just, and the offensive line didn't me. get any upgrade whatsoever other than Riley Reef. That's it. It just kind of reminds me of how we're running backs. And, like, it, there's, like, 
those five running backs, five, four running backs, and then after that, it just depends on their offensive line. I think that there's six, I would say. Uh, uh, I would say Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Kristen McCaffrey, Nick Chubb. Yeah. I I was just saying, like, Joe Mixon is – like, I I keep saying this, but he's considered top ten already, and I I would even dare to put him six or seven because he – he has a terrible offensive line, and he's still putting up fantastic numbers. And he was injured half, more than half the season. Yeah, no, I'm aware. I, I know how good he is. It's just, to me, I don't understand how you could say he could break out as if it's possible for him to do any better with the offensive line still being horrendous. Well, the only way he needs to get better is just staying healthy. Yeah, that's fair. So, my number one, also a running back, much like yours. And I made a TikTok yesterday saying, uh, I think the Rams are next year's Super Bowl champions. I literally just saw that on my For You page about (laughs) 10, but not like five minutes before we started. All right. But, and some people seem to be hating on it, understandably. There's around 32 – there is 32 teams in the NFL. So I would understand you not agreeing with me saying a team would be a Super Bowl champion before the preseason even started. I understand it. Uh, damn, it's raining hard outside. Uh, but the last time the Rams made the Super Bowl, they had a stud of a running back. I think at that point – correct me if I'm wrong, but he was the best running back in the league. Either yeah. him or Alvin Kamara. And Sean McVay, when you give him a good running back like that, he does amazing things. I have Cam Akers as my number one. See, he was basically a secret weapon for the Rams last year, but then when he came in, he was a monster. And I think this year, the fact that they didn't draft any running backs, didn't sign any running backs, means he's going to get the load. And Matthew Stafford's a pretty old quarterback, as good as he is. You're not going to have him throw 80 times a game. I, Of course, 80's an exaggeration, but he's not going to be throwing a lot. I would say he would throw, like, a decent amount. Yeah. Cam Akers will definitely help take the workload off him. And if you look at his film, he's a monster. He's oh, yeah. The way beast. he finished off the season. Yeah, because... He was a secret weapon, and then they were like, okay, you know what? We can't hide you forever. We have to put you out there. And when he came in, he was an absolute monster. And now he's going to have a quarterback that could actually extend the field. So now there won't be, like, the eight-man box, which means they're just going to run it repeatedly, and he's going to run teams to death. Cam Akers is going to have an amazing season next year. There's not a doubt in my mind. I'm going to be completely honest. I left him off my list because I I thought you were going to put him on your list. But I I would put him in my top seven. I would probably put him around maybe three or four. I just have so much more confidence in some of these other guys on my list. Yeah, and like I said before we started, there is a lot of players that could break out. Oh, yeah. So I completely understand if me and – we only shared two picks. Mm Mm-hmm. We only shared Irv Smith 
and Austin Eckler. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of, lot of players that could break out potentially. And that's why I didn't, that's why I said to exclude quarterbacks. Because if we had quarterbacks too, then, like, there would just be too much. And I would even make it, like, 14 players. Yeah. And even then, still 10 of the players would probably be quarterbacks just because of how, how much stuff happens with quarterbacks and how every single change affects the quarterback. But you're listening to the Goal Line Podcast. I don't know why I said but before I said that, but you're listening to the Goal Line Podcast. When we get back, we're going to talk about some of the players that are supposed to be and rumored to be on the trading block and what their prices will be. And, yeah, we're back. I just finished eating a chocolate donut. I tried to eat it as quick as I can so I can get back to this. I said before the break that we would come back and talk about some of the players that are rumored to be on the trading block right now or were rumored pre- previously. Uh, and I, I want to start with the one – Basically, everyone's talking about at this point. Julio Jones. Of course, I don't want to talk about like their destination or anything. I'm just trying to talk about what their price will be. What do you expect the teams to need to give up in order to get this amazing receiver, Julio Jones? Well, for starters, since it is the Falcons. Oh, to start things off, actually... He is kind of old. Well, he's aging. Not old. He is aging. He is no longer as well as he was, but he still is a fantastic receiver, and he still is one of the best receivers in the league. And you would have to give up a lot. Like, when I say a lot, I mean maybe a couple first-round picks and, like, and, and maybe even, like, some sort of player on the defensive side of the ball just to get Julio Jones because don't get me wrong. He's a great receiver. I don't think he deserves all of that, but there are people that are desperate for him. Yeah, no, I disagree with that very strongly. Yeah, no, I completely, I, I, I disagree with myself. I'm just saying, no, I'm just saying like from even an NFL standpoint, teams recently have, the value of draft picks has went way up. We saw last year one of the best lock corners in the league was traded for a sixth-round pick, Desmond King, mm. to the Titans. Draft picks are worth so much now. Remember last year, Stefan Diggs was worth a first-round pick. Traded straight up. He, I think... Most people would agree, in terms of value, Stefan Diggs is better because he's younger, he doesn't get injured as much. So, uh, it was already out of the question to me. No way it's a first-round pick. I think it's probably going to be a second-round pick for Julio Jones. Just a single second-round pick because he's old, gets injured too much, and draft picks are worth a lot nowadays. I would not... I would say at most it would be a first-round pick. No way it would be multiple first-round picks and a starter. 
You you would be maybe when I said that maybe a first round pick and a few other different picks for maybe two for maybe two thousand twenty two, but it, I just think that there are there are so many teams out there that are desperate. And you were talking about Stephon Diggs at the time. Stephon Diggs wasn't on the trading block at the time. Yeah, Stephon Diggs just it's just I think. It was Buffalo that requested that trade, and no, like, but he was. Stefan Diggs was making it very clear that he wanted out of Minnesota. Yeah, well, he, he threw his. Remember in the playoff game, he threw his helmet, even though they were winning. He voiced, he voiced his anger at the Vikings organization. He wanted out of Minnesota. It was very clear. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he was officially on the trading block, but he did want out. So there was leverage towards Stefan Diggs. What about Aaron Rodgers? Oh, we were we were talking about him earlier, and not today, but in a past podcast. But there is not you 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 the odds of you making a good trade to get someone like that is impossible. And we were talking a lot about that, and I don't I don't really know what you would put. Like I think like this would be one of those trades where you would have to include a first round pick for sure. Absolutely. And possibly you could even go to say two first round picks. I would say, okay. So I, I know this kind of juxtaposes to what I just said with draft picks are worth so much. You know, what is worth more than a draft pick, a franchise quarterback. Yeah. Uh, so earlier this off season, it is rumored that, the Bears proposed three first-round picks and a couple starters for Aaron Rodgers or for Russell Wilson. That was declined. But Russell Wilson, he wasn't saying, I'll hold out unless you trade me. Aaron Rodgers is. So I do think that this is possible. I do yeah. think it is possible to trade for Aaron Rodgers. As opposed to with Russell Wilson, I think it is just not not. I just think it's impossible. I would say three firsts and a couple high-caliber starters, yeah, which is I, a I, crazy price. But it's also impossible to trade for a franchise quarterback. So, But, yeah, the fact that he's saying he's holding out unless I leave means they're not going to just hold on to him no matter what, right? I I think, but at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if they decline that. Because as crazy as it seems to give up so much for one player, it's also crazy to believe that Aaron Rodgers will get traded. Anyway, next up, this is where it starts to become more realistic. These players are not even close to the tier that Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers are. David Njoku. David Njoku, I I don't think I I I hate ranking David Njoku because uh, it'll be a Wednesday and I'll think he'll he's a great tight end, but then it'll be a Thursday and I don't I wouldn't think too highly about him. But no matter what, maybe a a couple crappy picks. I I just think a solid fourth or fifth round pick. Mm. Sounds about right because he yeah. was a very good tight end. And then for some reason the Browns replaced him. 
And I just feel bad for him in all honesty because he's better than most tight ends in the league, I would say. Yeah. I think so. Unless he really became a lot worse over the offseason that he didn't play. But I think he's much better than most of the tight ends in the league. I would say a fifth or fourth round pick is about right. How about Von Miller? Von Miller, I would I would throw in a starter because don't it, some people are already doubting Von Miller, and he is a good player. He is a very good player. It's just he opted out and he's aging. He, I would put a starter and maybe a late pick. Uh, I think a fourth round pick sounds about right for him. Uh, Injury prone, aging, maybe even less than a fourth round pick. In all honesty. But he's but, still a fantastic edge rusher. We don't know that though. I, but even if, since he opted out and he was injured, you just it, like he can't he can't be much different than he was the last time we saw him play. I mean, last time we saw him play, what were his stats? I'm looking right now. Uh, so last time he played, 2019, eight sacks. The year before he was on fire, though, was he healthy for the entirety of 2019? I he was healthy for everything except one game, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put up eight sacks. I think that's about a fourth or fifth, but he also took a full year off. I don't know; it's hard, but mm, I don't know. I think a fourth, a fifth, something like that sounds about right for him. How about Jimmy Garoppolo? This is one I find interesting. Well, you already know my opinion on Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think too highly about him, and I, I it depends on other teams' preference. But I would not. I would go a late another late, just like maybe a fifth, sixth round pick. He, I, he is nothing too special in my opinion. So to me, I think. He has this. I think the situation with him is very similar to what it is with to what it was with Sam Darnold. Young quarter, decently young quarterback. Could be a franchise guy. Don't really know. Gets injured a decent amount. I would say, and this is mainly because I'm just, I think the same price as Darnold, but you take away the sixth. So I think a second and a fourth. As as high as that is, teams seem to want to give up a lot for quarterbacks. Oh especially young ones with some upside. I, I complete I could completely agree with that. I'm just saying I personally don't feel too high on him. And it doesn't matter what team it doesn't matter how good the player is. If you're like uh maybe let's say the Jets and you need a quarterback. Like the, keep in mind this is before they get Zach Wilson. You need a quarterback. For some reason. He's a bridge. He's a bridge quarterback yeah. is what you're trying to say. And, yeah. yeah, that makes all the sense. If you're a rebuilding team, you don't have a quarterback, he's a bridge quarterback. Tyrod Taylor is another mm-hmm. example. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I, I I think so. Okay, how about Zach Ertz? The rumors with him were really starting up around March or so, February. But now he, it's, like, dead silent with him. So – the thing is, I I think he just had a bit of a season. I still think he is a fantastic tight end. Maybe not not certainly not as good as I would have said a couple years ago. But 
I still think he's a great tight end. And although I don't think other teams think the same, and I think it would be a couple, a few picks. But, like, then you start to notice, like, he hasn't, he hasn't, like, even got offers for him, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, then again. So, like, that makes me wonder, maybe teams don't want him that bad, so I think a fourth and a sixth or fifth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds about right to me. I, could, I could, could see that. I completely agree with that. Uh, Nick Foles. Nick Foles, that, again, pretty much the same thing as Jimmy Garoppolo, except the fact that Nick Foles is not as good as Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's saying And he's something. nowhere near as young. Yeah. So I, I would maybe go a, a six-round pick. But uh, then you look at Nick Foles' contract, which makes me think, like, East. In two th- so it, whatever team gets him, right, takes a $6 million cap hit next year. And then if they keep him the year after, it's a $10.6 million cap hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if you want in between 2021 and 2022, you could just cancel his contract, but that would still be a $7.8 million dead cap. So I think you would actually have to give more to the, I was thinking like swap a seventh round pick, but the bears fall in terms of, so like they would trade the. I don't know. Two hundred forty-eighth pick for the two hundred sixtieth or something. Yeah, they would fall in the draft while trading around Nick Foles just to get rid of his cap hit. I think. Yep, I would think they would have to lose assets in order to get rid of Nick Foles' contract because Nick Foles is legitimately a liability on their roster. Just because of how much they're paying him to be a third string quarterback. And this wouldn't have happened if the Jaguars didn't pay him so much in that initial contract. Actually, no, this wouldn't have happened if Ryan Pace wasn't an idiot and traded for him, is how this wouldn't have happened. That was terrible. Keep Uh in mind, they could have got Brady that offseason, they could have got Marcus Mariota, they could have got Philip Rivers, Jameis Winston. Uh, who else? Teddy Bridge. Did we say Teddy Bridgewater? Teddy Bridgewater and Cam Newton. They could have got any of those guys, but no, they went with Nick Foles, who wasn't even a free agent. They traded for him. Yeah. That was terrible. So, Odell Beckham Jr., the last one. Uh, he is – I don't think too highly about him, although he does have uh, – he is so hard to think about in my mind, but I would say I would put in a starter in a late round in a late pick. Although I that was if I were an NFL team and I needed a receiver, but clearly I'm not an NFL team. I I would do not need <laughs> a receiver. Uh so I mean of course you don't because you're not an NFL team. Uh so I would put in I think just because of the marketing around OBJ, right? A third and a sixth. 
And yeah. he still could be good if he's healthy. Probably. We actually don't know much. It, it's very possible that the Browns just don't use him correctly. We don't know. He, he had that one game against Dallas that he blew, blew everyone's minds. But then after that and before that, which wasn't much time, but like he, he didn't look like anything special at all. Correct. And that, that's why I understand why the price would probably be decently low instead of it being just a third-round pick and a sixth. And it probably should be higher or lower, in all honesty. But anyway, let's move to the Vikings. We talked about them a little bit earlier when we were talking about Irv Smith. We talked about the Panthers last week. And we went over, like, our thoughts, just an overview of the team. I want to do the same thing with the Vikings because they haven't been talked about too much recently, right? So I just want to give Vikings fans at least something to listen to. Yeah. So what do you want to start off with? Uh, I mean, what is there not to like about them? They're, they're, as I said earlier in this podcast, they're the NFC North favorites. They... As long as Aaron Rodgers is on, they're the NFC North favors. They've got, in my opinion, one of the uh, I would say I would say top ten, top five on a good day offense. You've got Kirk Cousins, who I think two out. You got Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison, one of the best back running running backs in the league. You got if or with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. You have one of my breakout players and your breakout player mentions and Irv Smith Jr. The blind certainly does need a little bit of work, but it's pretty. But average. now they got Derrishaw. Yeah, exactly. And that, there you go. The best player coming into the draft, uh, Christian Derrishaw. And with all the defensive injuries back on that roster, that that is a fantastic team. And you, statistically, they should easily be a playoff team. Although, whatever happened last season with all the injuries and other things that still are, are going through my mind, wondering how this team didn't make the playoffs, even without that, even with a, a not-so-great defense, they still, in my opinion, should have made the playoffs. Yeah, and the reason that the defense wasn't so great was because of injuries. Yeah. I don't really understand what you were trying to say when you said Derisaw was the best player. Uh, <laughs> we, we'll, we'll let that one slide out and hope <laughs> no one understands. All right, but you mentioned their division, and I c- couldn't agree more. The NF- If I had to describe the NFC North <laughs> in one word, I would say dysfunctional. Exactly. The, the Bears, their coach and GM – are on not hot seat is a understatement. Their seats are a million degrees Fahrenheit, lava, volcano hot, whatever. Exactly. One of the hottest seats I've ever seen. Then the Packers losing their quarterback or potentially losing their quarterback who has been the icon of their franchise for 15 years. And then the Lions are the Lions. Um, yep. I, don't, I don't need to say much. <laughs> yeah. Right? So they're in a dysfunctional organization or dysfunctional division, and they are probably the most functional team or by far the most functional team in their division. 
but then I look at their schedule, and lucky for them, the entire NFC North also has a difficult schedule. But they play the AFC North, NFC West, all all the teams in the NFC North do. So it's not really like that big of a disadvantage, although the record will probably be low because of the competition that they're up against. And then the teams that they're facing that the other teams aren't are the Chargers, Cowboys, and Panthers. Mediocre teams, I would say, for the most part. The Chargers are probably the best team out of those three. Yeah. But I, I think it's possible that they win all three of those games. Very oh. possible. And I, I would say a fair estimate um, a fair estimate for their record, looking at their schedule and everything. Nine and eight, I, I think. I, I would even go to say ten and seven, eleven and six. As as long as that roster stays healthy. That that's you, you look at that roster and we talk about how good the Browns roster is. That roster is up there with the Browns and you it easily. But the question with me for this team, and I used to love Mike Zimmer, but recently I don't, I, I haven't been too certain with him. Their coaching staff doesn't amaze me much. Like, yeah. I think the difference between the Browns and the Vikings is that the Vikings have Mike Zimmer and the Browns have Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski came from the Vikings. And I would say he's already a better coach than Mike Zimmer. I don't think Mike Zimmer is horrible. I wouldn't say that at all. But I don't I don't think Mike Zimmer amazes me. I he's kind of just a eh head coach. I completely agree with that. Especially the the fact that the, he doesn't have any any confidence in his own quarterback. That Yeah, and that was another thing I was gonna say. They seem so uncertain about Kirk Cousins. I don't understand why. Mm-hmm. It must be something from practice or something, but they are not certain in him at all. They mm-hmm. tried to get uh, Justin Fields. They were trying to trade up, which would have been a huge mistake. Uh, then the they also, in the third round or second round, no, third round, early third round pick, they drafted Kellen Mond yep. instead of someone to help that defense, give death behind Daniil Hunter in case he gets injured. But speaking of that defense, I just want to talk about it. You look at it, it's crazy. They fixed up their biggest weakness, I think. Patrick Peterson and Cam Dantzler, I think he's pretty solid. That's a decent cornerback duo, I think. Unless Patrick Peterson takes huge steps back, which as of now, I would say he aged pretty well. He's still a solid corner. I don't think he's a liability yet, but maybe this year he will be. Uh but, yeah, I mean, this this Vikings team, I wouldn't say it's anything crazy, but due to how bad the, NF- the NFC North is, I think that they are a playoff team. Yeah. The main question to me, though, is going to be, what what is the deal with their uncertainty with Kirk Cousins? Why? Why? why what's their plan if they were to get rid of Kirk Cousins? Is it? trade him away? Is it just bench him for Kellen Mond? I don't... Which I do like Kellen Mond a lot as a quarterback. I think if he were to start, this probably would still be a playoff team due to how good their running game is. It's not like he would need to do too well. I really like Justin Jefferson. I think he's going to be a top receiver in the league next year. And Mike Zimmer kind of just 
like is the real thing that holds me back from saying this team is that good. Yeah. But I and would I, still I say it's a playoff team. I would still play say it's a playoff team just because of their competition. Yeah. Let's talk about another NFC team that wasn't a division last year that was widely considered the worst in the league. Cowboys and the NFC East. Can they win this year? We always hear Cowboys fans be like, this is all our year. Everyone always jokes about it, right? But is yep. this actually their year to win their division at least? So, I'm not saying they won't win their division. Me, personally, I still think Washington, that defense is too dominant. And the additions they had and all the rookies and just – Everything's clicking and coming together. I think Washington still comes out with the division. But you look at that Cowboys roster, I would not be surprised at all if the Cowboys won the division. In fact, I think I think Washington and Dallas are both like – they're both such a good competitive team. And, and I think the division was last year and they both had losing records. I think there is a chance they both – as long as they both play pretty good – they could both make the playoffs. Yeah, no, the, the NFC East, too, has a very easy, easy schedule. Oh, yeah. So it's ve- I think it's very probable either the Cowboys or the Giants make the wild card. Yeah. But you were saying – you. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Oh, no, I was, I was just saying that the uh... – I don't even know what I was saying. I was probably just gonna say something about just gonna I'm probably just gonna repeat myself, so go ahead. Yeah. Uh so to me the Cowboys, you said that their roster is one of the best in the league. I think offensively it probably is. Oh wait, if did the I offense say they were they had one of the best I yeah, offensively for sure, but that defense, that's the only thing holding them back. They they're they're that's that's what I was gonna say. Their defense it to it needs to take a step up in order from them to be considered to winning their division. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And then also the real I think if the offensive line can stay healthy, best offense in football. Close. But yeah. I would say if the offensive line can stay healthy, because we all know how it goes Zeke is when he has a top offensive line. When Zeke has a top offensive line, he lights it up. Right? Yeah. And then Dak Prescott He's a very good quarterback, and now he got his money, too. Off Their receiver core, one of the best in the league. But their defense is so bad, and they didn't really upgrade it. They still have a terrible cornerback duo. Trevon Diggs, I... Eh. You know, yeah. that's, that's really all I could say. He's too young. Maybe one day he'll be their guy, but as of now... They really regret losing Byron Jones. Uh, the, I'm, Micah Parsons helps, I guess, but but it's it's not it's not going to do much. Yeah, they can't be one player. I no one on this defense is really all that great. Their linebacker core is so good, but at the same time, in the recent NFL, when was the last time a team did good or a defense did good just because of how good their linebackers are? That doesn't happen. The best team... No, but that's not just their linebacker core. Yeah, yeah. They have have the best linebacker core in the league, 
but you add that on to what they already have, and then it's scary. But if mm. it was just Levante, David, and Devin White, and then the rest of that defense is average, they don't win the Super Bowl. Yeah. They won the Super Bowl because of how good their pass rush was. Levante David and Devin White, yeah, they're they're great. But they they don't carry their defense. I don't think Micah Parsons, Jalen Smith, and, and Leighton Vanderess can carry the defense, even though they're great players. Yeah. I don't. I highly doubt that. And then Demarcus Lawrence, he's probably the most overpaid player in the league. I, either him or Nick Foles, he's up there. Or it's definitely Nick Foles, but he's up there for one of the most overpaid players in the league. Probably one of the most overpaid athletes in all of sports. He shouldn't be getting paid anywhere near as much as he's getting paid. I, I don't think this team could win the division just because their defense is so bad. I think, yeah. the, I think the Giants will easily place ahead of them, even with Daniel Jones. Oh, I find that really I, – I, I, I think Daniel Jones – If Saquon Barkley could bounce back, actually. If Saquon Barkley could bounce back. Yes. Which I don't think that's going to happen because probably not. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and Daniel Jones, I do not. I think he first starting quarterback in the league, and that's the only thing holding them back. I would put like Drew Locke. I, I would probably I wouldn't even put Drew Locke behind him. I would. I still. I. I. I have had no faith in Daniel Jones since the beginning. Yeah. No, I didn't have much faith in him, but he does have like he has some pretty good traits. Yeah. Daniel Jones. He he plays. He has some very good ball placement at times, but at other times it's horrendous. He has a very good deep ball. He's actually like one of the better deep ball throwers in the league. But and they got a receiver, Kenny Galladay, that really matches his play style. I think that's a perfect fit, but he can prove me yeah. wrong next season whenever he, ha- he No, I I agree with you. Problem. I think he sucks. I do yeah. agree. I think he sucks. But I understand it. Anyway, we were talking about Mike and Parsons and how he's a great addition to the Cowboys, although he probably won't be able to carry that defense. Which three defensive additions to a new team over the offseason, whether they were drafted, traded, or signed to a new team, do you think will have the biggest impact? We were talking about my number three earlier on in the podcast. I have Patrick Peterson. You were talking about his age, and you do you did say you you still thought think he's a good cornerback, and I think the same. I think he's he'll like I said, Vikings are the play are a playoff team for sure, in my opinion. Patrick Peterson is a big reason why defense even better. What was that? I I said he's a big reason why. You just said the same thing as me, or I said the same thing as you, just in different phrasing. Yeah, and I, I. I completely agree. He aids like fine wine. I mm-hmm. I definitely think that. My number three, Anthony Harris to Philly. A move that didn't get talked about anywhere near enough. Anthony Harris was one of the best safeties in the league. I think he's criminally underrated just because he was injured. But when he's healthy, he's one of the best coverage safeties. He's amazing in coverage. Spectacular. Who, who do you have as your number two? Uh, my number two is John Johnson to Cleveland. Hmm. I, so, I, we both agree defensive – all my moves are defensive back related. And I think in terms of off-season moves, there were a lot that were related to corners mm-hmm. and safeties. John Johnson, 
not to mention how much he got paid. He got paid way less than he should have. Yeah. It was a steal. My number two, I have William Jackson to Washington. This guy is hella underrated just because he's on the Bengals. Way too underrated. He allowed a 46.3 completion percentage and only allowed 479 yards all season. He's great. Yeah. All that with a terrible pass, Russ. Anyway, who's your number one? My number one, I think, personally, it should be obvious, but as I keep going, I, I think a little less about him. But he is still fantastic. Doesn't matter how old he is. He's fantastic, and you can't tell me otherwise. And he's going to be good for the next three years because he's just such a dominant player. And I, it's J.J. Watt. He's incredible, and it doesn't matter how old he is. He is still incredible. Sure, he's not as good as he was, but he is still top 10 easily. In terms of interior defensive linemen, yeah, he is – He's nowhere near the pass rusher he once was, but he's still one of the best run defenders in the league. He's not as good against the pass, but they have Chandler Jones for that. He's a phenomenal force against the run. I don't know if I'm cheating with my number one. I probably am, but I have JOK and John Johnson to the Browns. I didn't want to – like, it's a three-name list. I don't want to have two Browns picks. Yeah. that I I just feel like that would be boring, but – JOK, what he's sort of been picked in the top fifteen. The fact they got him in the late second round, ooh, and then John Johnson, we talked about him. He got paid way less than he should have, and he's one of the better safeties in the league. He was such a key piece to that Rams defense, and now the Browns have him along with Grant Delpit, along with uh, Jadevian Clowney, along with JOK, Troy Hill, Denzel Ward. It's scary. Miles Garrett. Like, their defense is so talented. And it's all because of so many good offensive or off-season moves. Yeah. Is that a good place to wrap it up, you think? That is a fantastic place to wrap it up. Do you want to say anything before we end? Uh, Well, thank you guys for watching. Uh, Make sure you guys tune in every Monday at 7. And... Have a good night, folks.